Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 89, recorded Monday, July 18th, 2022. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone. And thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cintrapino. Well, today's the day. The paperback version of Your Next Dive, My Adventures in Scuba Diving, has been released. It has been an interesting journey of discovery all about what it takes to self-publish. I'm hoping that folks will find it interesting and, more importantly, help them plan and take their next dive. Your Next Dive is available in both ebook, Kindle, and paperback, and you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, BookBaby, and many other retailers. Just Google Your Next Dive. And speaking of dives, did you get out there and dive this past weekend? Well, I was back in the water both Saturday and Sunday as we conducted our latest open water certification dives up in Jamestown, Rhode Island. The weather and diving this time of year in New England is outstanding. It's always great to see how happy our new divers are once they complete their training. Big smiles all around. On today's show, I'm going to give you a bit of an update on my summer reading. I recently completed The Book of Eels by Patrick Svensson, and I think you'll find it quite interesting. But first up, is my news and information updates, wet notes. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, July 18th, 2022. First up today, I want to congratulate Tech Clark, the scuba guru, and that's on the release of his Risk Management for Dive Professionals course. Now, this is an outstanding program. Tech has a deep passion for the topic of risk management. Now, the course is about two and a half hours of video segments where he takes you through just what risk management is, all the legal issues um, about negligence, negligence scenarios, and risk reduction. The negligence scenarios were particularly thought-provoking. There are also sections on proper documentation, including waivers and releases, and it wraps up with emergency action plans and then professional liability insurance. I finished a course last week and recently updated our emergency action plans following Tech's approach. You can download his version of an EAP from the course. Now, the course is very reasonably priced at $29.95. If you're a dive pro out there, you really should consider enrolling at scubaguruacademy.com. Great job, Tech. Several weeks ago, I saw a lot of press around protests being held opposing a controversial shark fishing tournament that was taking place in Florida, and that was supposed to happen in early July. 
Well, I was curious about what happened, so I did a little bit of research and found out that the tournament did take place on July 9th in Palm Beach County. Now, it had an official name, and that was the Patrick Price Memorial Bull Shark Tournament. The organizers of the tournament indicated that it was being conducted to create awareness of the growing shark problem. Now, according to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, each boat was only allowed to bring in one shark. Apparently, 54 boats participated in the shark fishing, and that was conducted at a confidential site. Nine sharks were brought in. The weigh-in location was on private property to avoid any protests. The tournament representatives indicated that between 100 to 125 sharks were caught and released and that they were producing data for Florida Atlantic University. There were protests held at the Blue Heron Bridge that same day. For me, I don't see sharks as a problem. They are where they are supposed to be, in the ocean, and a critical element in the balance within our ecosystems. Now here's some interesting news and innovation when it comes to fighting plastic pollution. Seems that scientists in China have come up with this robot fish that eats plastic. That's some pretty cool technology. These tiny robot fish are made of polyurethane and are touted as being biocompatible and will not harm other fish if they get consumed by a real fish. Now, these guys are tiny, measuring only at about 15 millimeters or a little over a half an inch, pretty small. The robots use light from lasers to flap their tails and move through the water. It seems that they absorb the microplastics from the bottom of the ocean and can pick up plastic particles that are up to 5 millimeters large. Given that microplastics also have toxins on them, these robot fish provide a unique opportunity to safely remove the particles from areas that are extremely difficult to get into. There's a lot of innovation going on, and hopefully we'll see more updates on this in the future. And while we're talking about innovation, here's some more news coming out of Reef down in Key Largo. They're introducing a new pilot program to measure fish length data. That program is known as SMILE. That stands for Size Matters Innovative Length Estimates. So just how are they going to measure fish lengths accurately? Well, that's where the innovation comes in. Reef is partnered with Siemens Lab at Scripps and the University of California at San Diego's Engineers for Exploration group to develop a special fish sense camera. The device is based on Intel's depth sensing camera to get three-dimensional pictures of individual fish. Then with these pictures, they're able to calculate length, biomass, and the health of the fish. Now down the line, Reef is hoping to create a device that they can use uh, for recreational divers in support of their citizen science efforts. They're also going to incorporate SMILE into their fish surveys, the Grouper Moon Project, and the Invasive Lionfish Study. There's a pretty cool picture of the camera on the Reef website. Not sure how expensive this technology will be, but it'd be pretty neat to own it. 
Let's see how this one evolves. Now, from our very first classroom session with all of our new open water divers, we continue to stress the importance of Divers Alert Network, or DAN, to our scuba diving community. The organization is just so valuable in keeping divers safe and assisting in an emergency. One of the things we do in this class is to tell everyone to program the emergency hotline into their phone. That's plus one, 919-684-9111, in case there's ever a need. Well, now Dan is expanding their hotline to support a worldwide dive community that's in Latin America, the Caribbean, and Asia Pacific. The new Spanish hotline is up and running, and it looks like there will be hotlines specifically for Australia, Indonesia, Malaysia, and China. These are in addition to the hotline supporting Brazil in Portuguese, and that was launched back in 2015. Dan put out a short three-minute video on their YouTube channel, Dan TV, if you want to check it out. Divers Alert Network. They will be there when you need them most. And finally, I just want to give everyone a heads up that we are now just a little over two months away from the Boston Sea Rovers 2022 Annual Clinic. The show will take place in Danvers, Massachusetts on October 1st and 2nd. Tickets are now on sale for the two-day show, and that includes workshops, daytime seminars, and an exhibit hall, tri-scuba, and the renowned Boston Sea Rovers Film Festival. If you happen to be in New England, Perhaps maybe you're out leaf peeping. Be sure to put this one on your calendar. You can check it out and buy your tickets online at bostonseerovers.com. Well, that wraps up this edition of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. Well, how's your summer reading program going? Mine is going somewhat slower than I had anticipated. I am slowly making my way through the Dirk Pitt novels by Clive Cussler. Currently trying to finish up Atlantis Found. That's the 15th in the series. I believe there are 11 more to go. Maybe more than that now that Clive's son, Dirk, has taken over the series. Now, in addition to this series, I have several other books that I want to read. I probably won't get to them all this summer since it's been so busy at the shop, and that's a good thing. But one of the books I did finish up last week is The Book of Eels by Patrick Svensson. Now, I told you about this book a few months ago in a Wet Notes update. That's where I reviewed a list of summer readings from the Ocean Conservancy. Well, I was able to pick up the Book of Eels when I visited our local Barnes & Noble back in early May. I also picked up a book by Patricia Hanlon titled Swimming to the Top of the Tides, Finding Life Where Land and Water Meet. So I read that first before taking on Patrick's book. And you might want to consider Patricia's book about her year-long journey swimming off of Cape Ann in Massachusetts. The Book of Eels is subtitled, Our Enduring Fascination with the, with the Most Mysterious Creature in the Natural World. Patrick Svensson lives in Sweden and published this book in 2019. 
It was his first book, and it was extremely successful, winning quite a few awards, including the National Outdoor Book Award and one of uh, Washington Post's 50 Most Notable Nonfiction Books of the Year. The award and notoriety is justly deserved. Now, this book is an interesting blend of his memoir of his time spent with his father fishing for eels and a history of how scientists have researched the mysteries of eels since ancient times. He starts us off with the birth of an eel. This was one of the greatest mysteries that took hundreds of years to solve. Where do eels come from? No one seemed to have the answer. When the mystery was finally solved, it turned out that eels are born in the Sargasso Sea, a region in Northwest Atlantic Ocean. For me, these first few pages of chapter one hooked me. They were illuminating. I never thought about where eels come from and why it was so much of a mystery. He then takes us back to his childhood where he describes his early years fishing for eels with his father, setting up what he calls spillers with worms for bait and how he would imitate his father's resolve and dedication to eel fishing. We start to form a bond with Patrick and his father as they continue to chase after eels. The mystery of the eel was really about where and how they reproduce. Even in the times of Aristotle, there was a great deal of debate over whether eels were fish or reptiles or perhaps something quite unique. Fish lay eggs, but there was no evidence of eggs. How did they come to be? Aristotle studied a small pond that had dried out and seemed to be devoid of life. But when the rains came and filled the pond once again, it was full of eels. They seemed to simply spring to existence. The eel remained a mystery for centuries, and Patrick sets out to answer many of those questions. Is it a fish or something entirely different? How does it reproduce? Does it lay eggs or give birth to live young? Is it asexual? Where is it born and where does it die? Chapter 5 of the book is titled Sigmund Freud and the Eels of Trieste. We have probably all heard of Sigmund Freud and his work in psychoanalysis. But before he took this path, as a young man of 19 years old in 1876, he set off from the University of Vienna to Trieste to study eels. His task was to find the reproductive organs of an eel. He never found his answer, but I found it quite interesting to read about this chapter in Freud's life. The book's chapters continue to alternate between the scientific history and elements of the eel and his memoir with his father and family. Then in chapter 7, we are introduced to Johann Schmidt, the Dane who found the eel's breeding ground. In 1904, the 27-year-old Schmidt set out to find the birthplace of eels. His method would be to trace eel larvae back to where they would find the smallest and thus conclude that is where the eels were born. His initial work took 10 years, and in July of 1914, he was closing in on the answer when World War I broke out, and that made his work at sea too dangerous. It would not be until 1920 that he could set sail again, and by 1921, 
he had determined that the eels were spawned in the Sargasso Sea. Now, I've read a couple of Rachel Carson's books, including Silent Spring and The Sea Around Us. But what I did not know is that in her first book, Under the Sea Wind, she introduces us to the eel Anguilla and tells us about the story of her journey. Why did she pick an eel? Patrick quotes from Rachel's letter to her publisher, stating, I know many people shudder at the sight of an eel. To me, and I believe anyone who knows its story, to see an eel is something like meeting a person who has traveled to the most remote and wonderful places of the earth. In a flash, I see a vivid picture of the strange places that eels have been, places which I, merely as a human, can never visit. Well, it looks like I'm going to have to put this book on my reading list. The next to last chapter in the book talks about eels being on the brink of extinction. Why are the eels dying out so fast? The challenge is that the challenge here is because the eel has remained such a mystery, mysterious creature, it's so difficult to study. Scientists are challenged to find definitive answers. We know that they are very sensitive to pollution and have been impacted with parasites. Predators play a part, as does overfishing. And then there's climate change, impacting currents crucial in getting eels to the spawning ground and moving newly hatched larvae. In the final chapter, Patrick concludes his memoir with the passing of his father. He has taken us on a journey of both discovery and introspection. If you're looking to add an, another book to your summer reading list, then I highly recommend that you pick up The Book of Eels by Patrick Svensson. Well, I hope that your summer reading list is going a little bit better than mine. I did start another book last week about sharks titled Emperors of the Deep. Well, once again, my book, Your Next Dive, was released in paperback today. Perhaps you can put this one on your summer reading list. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with more Scuba Shack Radio. Until then, take care, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.